Studios. This, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Don't you know we're doing a podcast? Why is it so loud? Uh, it's always loud. We are at a we're at the hub, basically, of all of the highways in this area where Dave and I are right now in Kitchener, Sports World Crossing. Anyone who knows Sports World area, you know, you got the 401 over here, you got the expressway here. This tends to be like the meet up spot, the trucks chill around here spot, the go-to for coffee, the go stations over here. So there's constantly noise. If it's not city crews coming to work on things, which we so appreciate you and everything, but it's so loud outside the window and the trucks beeping and the yelling and the things. So it's, uh, yeah, don't mind if you hear some stuff. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we're we're going to ignore the noise in the background today, everybody. The uh, radio studio is great. The podcast studio. It was a bit of an afterthought, but real estate's expensive. <laughs> real estate's expensive. But it's fine. The afterthought podcast. It's, it's gotten fine. That. The afterthought. After nine. Afterthought. <laughs> <Whatever>. Sure. <laughs> uh, Dave, how are you? I am well. How are you guys? Ready for uh, uh, the end of the week? I feel like it's been a long month again this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> that's not a bad way to put it. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the reasons that it's been a hell of a month this week coming up in a few. First off, a couple stories that I want to get through real quick. A uh, phys ed teacher who was very, very into it with her students. You know, this is a teacher that we want. She is someone who tries to relate to the students and create curriculum that is magical and compelling for them. This is a great teacher. Felt like one of the crew. Well, she was asked to chaperone the school senior prom. The problem is this teacher, and she's in the UK, decided to drink eight glasses of wine (laughs) before the prom. Yeah, makes sense. And then she got a little too into the party with the kids Lifted up her top and flashed a couple of them. Oh, there it is. You know, because there's, oh, no, she's teetering on a little inappropriate, and then there's straight up, that's not appropriate. Haven't we all had a teacher like that at some point, though, that just wants to be part of the crew? You know, they're really relatable and fun and maybe a little younger, and, and, ah, that's great. That's, uh, her name is Miss Lake. Okay, so, hey, there's Mrs. Lake, and and she's one of us. She's great. Oh, she's going to chaperone the prom. Cool. She's got a glass of wine there, though. I didn't think we were allowed to drink. Oh, she's got another glass of wine. And before you know it, she's up on a table with her tits out. <laughs> That's not okay. I can name you three inappropriate teachers I've had just off the top of my head as soon yeah. as you talk about this. Yeah, same like thing. three. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have the same teachers, but I bet you they were the same kind of people. Same kind of people, right? I, do you remember I, when you were a kid how much you like revered your teachers and thought they were perfect people? I had a uh, family family studies teacher, I still remember this, walking outside at the end of the school day and seeing her get in her car and light up a cigarette. And it was like mind-blowing. We're like, no way, she smokes cigarettes. When you see them in the outsides of the school world, right? You see them doing their own personal thing, like maybe running an errand or grocery shopping. And you see them with their family, you're like, they have a husband? Well, and you know, you kind of forget that they've got a real life and you learn it as you get a little bit older but like i had a teacher and i guess there were some signs that that things were not all right when he was found sleeping in the portable a couple of times uh, before school started so that's maybe a sign something's up one of my gym teachers pissed himself because he fell asleep in the middle of the class once and he was sitting on the bench and just his jogging pants were they were gray and then they were dark gray in some areas um and as you get older uh i've i've now i've got friends my age who are teachers 
and they are the most irresponsible people I've ever met. Um, wow. <laughs> like, I mean, as partiers are, are considered, right, right, right? Right. I, I, they don't mean they're irresponsible people, but they are the most wild party people. Yeah. Uh, they let loose when they can let loose, and hopefully it doesn't spill over when you're in the classroom and uh, and mess up your, <laughs> your entire career and that's, your life. That's true, and I think it's good if you have that shock factor if you end up partying with your teacher, for example. And I remember partying with my teacher after high school, when, like 19. Wow. We're all turned 19. We went Oktoberfesting. Mm-hmm. Bumped into one of my teachers who's still teaching in the area. Oh, and shit. You know, you're kind of weirded out at first. You're like, oh, how do I act? What do I say? And they turned out to be a bigger partier than we were. That's what I'm you know, saying. so it's like, yeah. yes, it's that outside of the classroom, yeah. but they managed to do it so that you thought of them as this, but really they're a lot more than just this. And yeah. I think that's actually probably a sign of a of a g- good teacher, of a professional, when you know that they're not like that when they're in the classroom. So no teachers flashed you at the prom? Never had a teacher flash me at the prom, no. <laughs> no. I distinctly remember being on a leadership conference once and the teacher that got appointed to supervise the student council at that leadership conference, we ran into him in the lobby, and I don't think he was particularly excited to see us at the time because we had all been drinking, Yeah, (laughs) unbeknownst to him. So as we walked in, loaded, trying to conceal the fact that we'd been drinking, we noticed, holy cow, this guy's super cool. He was drinking two beers, one in each hand, and he was sitting there in jogging pants and had vans on. And I thought... This is fucking great because he would never wear Vans in school. He's a person. Yeah. You He's get, a real yeah. dude. You yeah. get that first exposure to it. And, and then it's just amazing. It's, yeah. When you put those people on the pedestal and then you, get, then you go, wow, they, they get drunk just like the rest of yep. them. Yep. They have their days. <laughs> they have their days. They have their moments. <laughs> sure. That's awesome. This is a different kind of story. A wellness company has been branded a sex cult for claiming that female orgasms could be used to change the world. They're now under investigation by the FBI over allegations that include sex trafficking, prostitution, and violations of labor laws. Huh? One Taste is the name of the company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was co-founded in 2004 by a resident of California who s- says he focuses on the practice of orgasmic meditation. So in the case of One Taste workshops, this involved women who would get naked from the waist down and be stroked for up to 15 minutes by a man. So it's kind of like prostitution in a way? In a way, it's almost like women who want to harness the power of the orgasm. And Kat, maybe you can tell us more about a female orgasm. (laughs) Maybe you can't. I don't know. But apparently it can change the world. So what they do is they bring women into these workshops And then they lay on the massage table and have a guy do the, and (laughs) I don't know if that's the noise it makes. I don't think so. That's what you do when you're trying to call your cat across the room. Yeah, that's not right. (laughs) That's the least sexy thing. You imagine you get a girl in bed. Get over here. (laughs) How would you respond when you ask a girl to come to your your room and you go, hey. It's the same way you get a squirrel to run across the lawn to pick up a peanut. That's amazing. In all fairness, the squirrels come every time. (laughs) I bet they do. Enjoy your squirrel. So, anyway, what happens here is the women will go in and they'll lay down on the massage table and the guy will do his thing there. And once they have that uh, wonderful orgasm, they're empowered and they've meditated a little bit. And it's not meant to be a sexual thing. Uh, I beg to differ. That's, they a, say that's this is, everything about that sexual. It does not sound like a, like a massage a parlor. Thing. This yeah. is prostitution. Like, are they paying for it? 
Yeah, yeah, they pay. You pay to a get in. This is called. This is just straight up called prostitution. Like this is. I'm going to pay you for sex. I don't see any way around that. That okay, is exactly what it is. It, but, yeah, not, you feel empowered after sex. A lot of people, almost everybody, I assume, does. I don't know. I feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. And me, it's hungry. Yeah, I don't know. After I'm done, after I'm done, I don't stand up and be like, I can conquer the world. <laughs> no, it's like um, I need a nap. <laughs> okay, so maybe it is a female thing then. Maybe yeah. we feel a little more empowered than men do after the fact. Exactly. But still, so, that's still prostitution. It doesn't change my mind. It's still the same. Still the same. So we're giving a thumbs down on this. It's right that the FBI is investigating this quote-unquote orgasm cult. There's no benefit here. It's not like two consenting adults can't just enjoy an orgasm for one and exchange currency for that. We're not doing that now? Well, that opens a whole can of worms. This is it. Well, guys have been doing it for years. Yeah. All you have to do is look for the spas that have flashing lights, lights in the window. Yeah. 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 A spa that's open at 3 a.m. may be offering some nefarious activity. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> it's not do you just have a... RMTs? Because I'd like to write this off. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit of a kink in my neck. Oh, is that what that is? Right. Yeah, okay. And my neck is under my belt. My <laughs> <laughs> neck, I mean my dick. Yeah, right? Oh, did I say neck? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, my handwriting's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, I think that's exactly what it is. But again, that yeah. bigger conversation comes down to, should, that, should it just be legal? At this point, Should and there's legitimate legal? conversations yeah. being had about yeah, that. There's right. conversations being had right now about a whole bunch of shit that's currently illegal mm-hmm. that actual medical professionals are trying to make a case should be legal for the greater good, mm-hmm. i.e. opioids and hardcore drugs. They're suggesting that more people would get the help they need if they didn't feel like criminals when they went to get that help because they've got uh, uh, hardcore drugs. Maybe we could get more people into treatment programs Instead of into jails. That's the theory. The same conversation in a similar way anyway is being held about prostitution. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could make it safer if you legalized it. So, I mean, this is an option if you want to book yourself into one of these workshops (laughs) where they harness the meditative power of the orgasm. And all you have to do is lay there and let the guy do his and and then you're good to go. I'm never you wake be able up, to... you, you sing a couple opera notes, and you're on your way. I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head now. Come on. Come on. A couple of Try opera it with notes. your wife tonight, Dave. Come here. Yeah. Oh, that'll go well. Try that. Yeah. <laughs> that'll go real well. Yeah, I'll report She's back. She's a doll. Yeah. She'll be fine. She'll yeah. get She'll it. She'll laugh it, it off. Right, 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 right. So then how do you stand on that then, Kat, on, on the idea that this should become a, a, a legal situation where the law doesn't get involved? For uh, women, too. Yeah. I am, I'm not right away against it. And really? That yeah. shocks the shit out of me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not against it right away because there are a lot of um, sad stories. I, I'm, okay, so I'm a big true crime person. Mm-hmm. I love true crime documentaries and docuseries and stuff like that. And a lot of them sometimes will have to do with um, abduction mm-hmm. for the purpose of trafficking and prostitution. So yeah. if we legalize it across the board, it could, would it maybe be less of an issue? Would there maybe be less of that? I don't know. Maybe. Is it worth a try? I don't know. Maybe. Well, that's a that's a yeah. good angle on that. The other thing, I, if I could just add in the, the idea of regulating this kind of thing. So there are support systems in place for people who are in that industry. You yeah. Know, healthcare is something that, that, you know, you don't get insurance benefits for prostitution and things like yeah. that. What are you going to say, Scott? Are you suggesting that they should get sick days and, and uh, <laughs> EI when they inevitably lose their job? <laughs> well, I look at it like a, a service. 
right? right. Um, why do we draw a moral line there? I only ask the question out loud to make you think about it. Why do we draw the moral line at, at sex? Why is that where we have decided the line is? If you've got an RMT, for example, somebody who's working on a physical issue you have, if somebody's giving you a foot massage, it's all perfectly legal. But if somebody has, let's say the foot's an erogenous zone for them and they actually get off doing it or with, with somebody massaging their feet, there's no technical sex involved, but that's a sexual experience for that person. And because everybody's different, it, it's a service. It, it is a service between two consenting right. people. It's just something that it's unorthodox. It's like just something that we that's don't think it. about. We're just afraid of unorthodox. It's a great way to say and that. And if you have have all the right security in place, if let's say it was like, um, what are the places that you can go? In some places it's legal. Brothels? Uh, like brothel. Amsterdam, for example? Yeah, like a, in a brothel, right? He's thinking countries. So, I'm thinking like specific I businesses. Know, no. like, <laughs> What's the address? <laughs> the whole place. Yeah. Okay, but l- let's see how they do it there and how that works for them where, where brothels, for example, are legal. Do they have security video up? You have to give proper identification. Like, I feel like as long as all those things are in place and it's a, if, if everybody feels safe, because I think... You made you made the question, uh, you know, what's the difference between getting, you know, massage and feeling good about that and, you know, feeling good about that. It can sometimes get dangerous if people get abusive to like some people get a little more aggressive than others. But as long as all those safety things are in place where the worker feels safe. Yeah. And, you know, the person coming in is safe and maybe tested too. like, I mean, there's a whole other thing. There's a whole other thing that goes into it. Right. You can massage someone, but they ain't going to give you herpes. Well, can you imagine, though, having a, a system in place where it's like, okay, I know what I'm going there for. And I will prove to them that I don't have anything. You've uh, got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that there's a benefit to doing that. Um, okay. I think we just can't wrap our brains around the idea that people legally selling sex. Yeah. There are people who are in committed relationships who will be opposed to this because they don't want their significant other to take advantage of that service. And rightfully so. Can't blame somebody for not wanting that. But I will point out point out that when we start legalizing things that have always been taboo until this point. It's almost kind of possible that you normalize it. And let me give you an example. I was not a marijuana user at all until they legalized it. And once the government said, no, 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 it's okay. In fact, we're going to sell it to you. I thought, huh, okay, well, I mean, if Doug says it's fine and Justin says it's cool, I guess who the fuck am I to argue with them? So now I really, really enjoy marijuana, whereas I wouldn't have touched it had it not become legal. Do you think that if we were to legalize prostitution, that opens the door up to people who wouldn't otherwise do it that think, okay, well, I mean, if the government says it's okay, then let's have at it. Let's go. It's still a service that you'd be paying for. I mean, just because carpentry is legal doesn't mean I hire every carpenter I know to come in and put some yeah. some carpet down. You know what I mean? I think it's also a, you still like, need the business. And you're one of a kind in there, Scott. Like, I mean, there's most people aren't aren't like that. They've smoked weed for a, a long time, or they do it on and off, and now it's legal. So okay, it's fine. They're, the people who are really searching for these things will find a way to get them. The people who really want them. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, This one is different, though, because typically people think of men going into some shady place to get their uh, their massage, quote unquote. This one is about women, though, specifically. Maybe that changes the conversation a little bit to point out that, yeah, this is a service that women could enjoy as well. Is this a spot where we need women to come in and say, hey, this is normal. Everybody just chill out. Is it, is it women are stepping up once again to sort of lead the charge here, Kat? I don't think that this is, I don't think that it'll You want to lead the rally? Men are much more likely to enter places like that. I think that's just yeah. going to be the way it is because women can get it a little, women can get it easier. 
Sure. You got a Tinder account? It's real easy and free. Real easy. It's real easy to get it. So I don't think, I don't know a lot of women that would go and pay for it when they know they can get that shit for free. Well, booty calls are one thing. I mean, it's very easy to have that dial and, and, uh, you know, on speed dial, you got somebody right there. But, you know, for those who who don't and want to have a trusted service and not put any emotion into it, try not to. You can also take some satisfaction in the fact that they're a professional. This is a yeah. professional jerker offer. Guaranteed it's not like just the get amateurs off. that you meet on Tinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> jerker offer. <laughs> professional jerker offer. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I well, who doesn't want a professional? I mean, we all know we can go under the table and save a few bucks, but you go to the pros if you want something done right. Well, you do it under the table. That's when you start hurting your wrist. So just avoid <laughs> under, the under, the under the table, on the table, yeah, yeah, across the, the table. table, in the corner, facing the wall, whatever. Dave, you're a vegan. I'd I'd love your take on this. Uh, A mom is demanding that a babysitter pay $300 in compensation because the mom wants her kids to be vegan, but the babysitter fed them chicken nuggets. Oh, oh, snap. (laughs) What do we do in that case? So you want my opinion on it. Um, I think there's a first stop is the lack of communication between the parent and the babysitter about what the dietary... uh, necessities are in this particular case or did she do it on purpose well if she did it on purpose if it's malicious then that's kind of like uh all right well i'm taking the kids away from this babysitter because if she doesn't agree with my parenting and can't follow that direction well then maybe i need somebody else who's a little more open to my choice of lifestyle when it comes to food does that make sense yeah. Listen, <laughs> so if, you have, if you have a babysitter that takes the time to warm up the oven and put nuggets in it, you've got yourself a good babysitter. Most of the time, <laughs> it's simple pizza. Is or that the bar we're setting? So <laughs> they turn on, on the oven. To, put nuggets, well, to feed well, the children. I mean, yeah, thumbs up. Give what are a, you yeah, expecting yeah. for $8 an hour? It's not even purple, fucking minimum wage. Give them the purple heart. Babysitter, did, babysitter did not punch the kids today. That's yeah. a good person yeah, right there. That's it. Yeah. you get a good one, hang on to them. Okay, did we know the kids' ages. I'm just curious about this my kids are vegan thing. I don't know their ages, but as far as I know, they're likely under 10 years old if they have a babysitter. Right. I don't if you are that if you are that strong-willed and and you are a vegan through and through. Okay? So that means nothing comes into your house that is leather. You are, you know, no, no meat, no this, no that, no animal cruelty at all. That's the way your household runs. You think you do a better job at vetting the babysitter that comes in to care for your kids. I feel like you do a little more work to make sure that that's all covered. And I don't think the parents did if the babysitter cooked chicken. Did she bring her own chicken nuggets into the house? Like, how did that work I out? I got a backpack full of something so, for you, kids. So if it was malicious, but she did her vetting, yeah, the babysitter could be at fault here. But... Uh, at the same time, maybe she didn't even know the person. There's some people that just call services and get people over there, and then they expect them to know everything about the household. Yeah, that's not fair either, then. Not fair. If you're not laying out the, exactly. you know, the groundwork for the babysitter, how do you expect them to yeah. follow your rules? Do babysitters typically come loaded with chicken nuggets on them, or my, did she have them in the house? And if she had them in the house, why, if she's vegan? Cat would like a babysitter that comes loaded with chicken nuggets. I, I, I used to have a babysitter. <laughs> so I. I used to have a babysitter that would come. Her name was Anya, and she would come with just crafts, arts, play, like toys for us. I loved it. Chicken nuggets would have been right up there on that list. I make yeah. bracelets and eat some nuggets. You're the best. Yeah. That's great. But what if your mom said no to the nuggets? You wouldn't even... Let's say you've never had one. You wouldn't know the joy of a chicken nugget, right? 
Yeah. If you were raised a vegan from the very beginning and you eat the veggie nuggets instead or. Right. You you wouldn't know a difference. You wouldn't know. But I mean, if these kids are, I have so many questions. I need to know more about the kids and the lifestyle and how they're brought up. Are they in school? They're vegan. So the kids are vegan, but not by choice, I assume. They were just kind of grew up that way. Well, at that age, we entrust parents to make those decisions for their kids. And mom has decided they're vegan. I understand how that works. But they go to school every day, right? Yeah. They see things. They know things. They know what a nugget is. Yes. Yeah. I just, I I, I think this parent has, has expectations that just shouldn't stay at the place that they're at, to be quite honest with you. Fired is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the parent's going to be, yeah, the parent's going to be pissed. I don't think that they need to compensate, but I think they do a better, they need to do a better job at at who's, who's going to sit their, your kids do better vetting next time. If you really are going to leave the house and leave your kids with someone, make sure it's someone that you trust. Cause obviously you can't trust the person you, you put in charge of your kids. And also, I just, I don't know. I, I understand the moral part of it, where you fed my kids something I didn't want you to feed them. I get that, and that's your choice. I just also worry about these kids going forward, to be honest with you, just based on us talking about it. Also depends on what your, uh, what your reason for being a vegan is. Uh, yeah. Some are moral vegans. Others do it strictly for health. And at yes. the end of the day, if there's like something mixed into something, you go, ah, it's not the end of the world. Um, but if you are very, very strictly moral about it, uh, then that could cause a really big problem. And I can understand why the rift would show up where you're yeah. like, well, I got to, yeah. you know, you just ignored my wishes. And if, again, if it's malicious, then that's why there's a problem and why that that person should be responsible for it. Otherwise, it make it a little clearer what your expectations are. Yeah. Delish has an interesting theory about how you can tell if you're a good person. I think if I asked both of you, are you a good person? You'd probably both respond with yes, wouldn't you? I think so. We're both looking at each other. <laughs> like, are we good? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yes. They have the shopping cart theory. People are discussing this online now. Here's how it works. Think about the last time you went to the grocery store and then unloaded your groceries into your car. Did you take the time to wheel that shopping cart back to the store or into one of the shopping cart corrals in the parking lot? Or did you just leave it? So they say, If you took the time to return it, that means you're a good person. And they say it was totally legal for you to not return it. It's not against the law to leave it where it is. And you're not getting rewarded for returning it. You're also not getting punished for not returning it. Therefore, if you returned it anyway, that means that deep down, you are a good person. So now let me ask you again, with that litmus test there, are you two good persons I am a good person that lives in the gray area, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So hear me out on this. I always put the cart back, always, Uh every single time. However, I am also very quick to snap on someone who doesn't. Oh. Yeah, so I don't ask the reason why they didn't. I don't ask any of it. I just, if somebody doesn't put it away, I immediately snap. You're a real dick if you don't take that cart back. Like, I realize that you don't have to and you don't get rewarded for doing it and there's not a punishment for not doing it. But it is a real dick move because there's a person, likely a teenager, who has to return that cart. And you know how inconvenient it is to push a shopping cart with a wonky wheel. Try pushing 40 of them with a wonky (laughs) wheel all at the same time. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I look at it like... It's a, you don't get rewarded for it, but do we need a cookie every time we do the right thing? Like, that's ridiculous. No. Like, put the cart away because you're saving it, sliding it into somebody else's car. 
You're saving it sliding into the into the walkway if you don't prop it properly. Like I mean, just be a good person. Stop being a shitty person, and you, everything will be fine. That's my motto. So I live in the gray area where I don't ask why you didn't put it away. I just go, hey, is there a problem with the corral that's right there or the door that's right there? Is there a reason why the cart's sitting right here? I'll, I've even gone as far as to park my cart behind a car that like, I would finish, and I would be like, boom, put my cart there and walk away. Really? So they'd have to get out and move the cart in order to move their car. Like, usually those are the people that get in their car and they're sitting there for a second, and I'll like, unload my car as fast as possible. I've been in that situation where I said, no, okay, forget it. You don't want to move a cart? You're going to move this one. Huh. So like here you that. go. I, I know, but, <laughs> I but, like that karma. But I don't ask. And, and I'm, I was also, for years, of a quick person to judge those who park in uh, the um, accessibility parking, where I would look at it and go, well, I don't see any visible reason why you should be parking there. You seem to be walking just fine. Where's your sticker? Where's that? And I would, like, I'm the moral police. Like, I'm supposed to judge that. It's not my place to do that. Um, there's a lot of reasons why somebody would, would need to park in that position, and it's not always up to us to decide whether they should or shouldn't. That's the court of public opinion, and we need to be calm about that, which is why I've had to pull back on the cart thing a little bit. A little bit. But at the same time, I think just put the cart away. Just put the cart away. If you walked with the cart throughout the entire store, you can take the extra 20 steps to put it away. Fair enough. I agree. Um, This is a very important study. I'm kidding. It's not that important, but I like it anyway. It's in the sun. They claim that through their research, and it's fairly substantial, they surveyed 997 men, and they asked them two questions. How much money do you make? What is your salary? And how big's your dick? And they found that there was actually some evidence that the bigger your pecker, the less money you make. First off, what side of this would you like to be on, Dave? The big pecker or the big paycheck? <laughs> I wish there wasn't us one or the other. <laughs> I wish these numbers didn't mean anything. <laughs> Guys who are, on average, packing more than eight inches down there. More than eight inches, by the way, is... Uh, How many of them were packing more than eight inches? Oh, you does want to go break, right down. I'm sorry, but does it break it down? I'm just curious if it broke it down. Like, was there eight out of 997, or was it closer to, like, 15? Or, like, what we what are we looking at The majority here? of them are sword fighters. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, it breaks down their promotions, their average salary, uh, what industry they work in. Like there's banking and finance, manual labor, sales and marketing, the arts. I can't tell you a specific number okay. of guys that were packing more than eight. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm just curious. But I'm not surprised that that was the detail you wanted to know. <laughs> it wasn't how much money they made. It wasn't how long they how studied. How many of them are there out there? <laughs> Where are these eight pluses? Where are these eight pluses? The average guy packing more than eight inches down there earned an average salary of $35,700. But here's the interesting part. Every time you shave an inch off, the salary goes up. Hmm. Until you get to men who are only three inches. Pulling in an average salary of $76,780 a year. Yes, they make twice as much as a guy with a giant hog. And why do you think that is? Is it does it Well you gotta try harder, you gotta compensate somehow, right? Compensation, right? Isn't that the classic yeah. like go to thought? It's, it's like walking around with a backpack full of rocks. It gets heavy after a while. Mm-hmm. You're not as productive. 
That's right. all that is. Slows you down. Slows you down. <laughs> well, you know, there could be some disappointment there. Everybody likes to open up a new present, and, and maybe you're going to hop into bed with some new guy, and, and you take the belt off, and you undo the pants, and then you see three. Okay, you see three inches. Like, where's the rest of? Uh, oh, that's it. Oh, oh, so okay. You see uh, an average or slightly less than average presentation, but then uh, you touch the sheets on the bed, and you're like, oh, this is Ooh, a pretty good thread count here. Soft. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can put up with that for this. Was that a Mercedes in the driveway? By the way, uh, that was a hot tub in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can overlook a lot of things when you want to. So maybe that's a good compensation technique. Just maybe. Is it is it a compensation for it? This doesn't surprise. It maybe doesn't surprise me just based on what we've always heard is that they usually you have people overcompensating because they feel inadequate in that area. They got to make sure they work hard to, you know, I guess, impress women or men in another way. So the way you see it is is exactly what the stereotype is. It's, you see a rich guy, you're thinking, oh, it's compensating for something, but then you see a guy walking down the street with a skateboard, you're like, big hog. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Is that what you're seeing? I'm not seeing that. I really, it do, size does not matter. But, I do, but it's just interesting that this does exactly equal the stereotypes that we hear about, right? So does it work the other way? I mean, if a woman might look the other way on those those the just small three inches there because they're they're doing pretty well in life, can you put up with somebody who's re- maybe they're flat out just plain unemployed? Maybe they're below that thirty five thousand threshold, but they're a tripod. They've got eight inches. Just for the, no, <laughs> yeah, I but mean, they just, stand there and with, they don't know. Hey, look, ma, no hands. Oh, like, does that no. make you happy? All of it's stupid. Like, none of it should be judged on by that. You should be Thank judging you. the person. Yes. I mean, yes. let's make that perfectly clear. I fully agree with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. We should honestly, yes. but but it just doesn't surprise me. This it just does. It's interesting that that it kind of does e- e- equate to the stereotype. Before we get to the Christmas song for dogs, which is what we will end on, let's just quickly go around the table here. Today, the announcement is coming down. Should the premier lock down Toronto, Peel, and York region, or should we just let the virus spread until the vaccine's out in the spring? Are those our options? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it, there could be a compromise in there if you want to propose one. I, I'm thinking about the decision that's got to be made today, and I know the last thing anybody wants to do is lock people down and close the non-essential businesses. It's true. Hey, people don't want to do that. They don't want to go back to that situation. No, they don't. Are people being responsible enough, though, now to get us to that spot soon? You know what I mean? Are we doing what we should be doing now? That's where the debate is. And you can open any Facebook thread to find out what people are saying about it. And it's usually the same argument in every single post. But they're testing more. (laughs) They're testing more. It's the government looking to control you. It's all of this stuff. And hell, even us talking about it right now, we'll get a response from someone who thinks that. And usually, usually I say this, most of those opinions seem devoid of facts and devoid of actual proof other than anecdotal ones where you can just say, oh, well, I know a situation where this happened, or uh, I heard about this, and, and that's all of a sudden now the rule of the land. So I, I'll be quite honest. I'm not qualified to decide whether we should or not, but those numbers, they do concern me. When I'm seeing more deaths and more hospitalizations and hearing about you know, uh, the hospitals in Peel that are starting to overrun like, to the point where they're like, we don't know where to put people here. That's a, that's a problem, and I think that's a now problem, so we don't... And, end up with a much bigger problem later. 
But I, to be honest, I don't know the answer. I don't know. It's I, just I, such a uh, foregone conclusion that people are going to gather at Christmas. They're going to have people over or go to other people's houses. I'm almost wondering if it's a bad idea to start locking people down now when it's entirely possible that we're going to all face a lockdown after Christmas and January is going to be like a work from home kind of month with non-essential businesses closed. And then before you know it, these particular regions, which are the economic engine of the country, are going to end up being shut down twice as long as everybody else. Well, look at how many people in retail struggle through January, February anyway. Yeah. You know, and then you shut it down Mm -hmm. completely and it's like you get zero business. Yeah. Uh, that that's a scary proposition too. Yeah, I tend to I mean I tend to agree with you. And I was saying uh this morning on our FM radio show too that I feel like much like you go through, you know, it's like the stages of grief and all these mm. other things. I feel like there's like stages to this pandemic. You know, yeah. in the beginning we were all kind of like we're in shock, we're like in denial. Then we start to get a little bit sad. And then there was some humor involved in there, like some self, you know, deprivating humor and memes coming up on social media. And now I feel like we're in an anger stage. I don't know if anyone else is feeling that, but all oh, the way yeah. around me, I feel like we're in a stage of like now I'm angry and I'm kind of rebellious. I'm uh, seeing a yeah. lot of rebellion about it. And I completely understand right? the feeling of fatigue i'm tired of talking about covid i'm tired of giving you know updates but when people turn around and say oh i blame the media for this and i blame the government doesn't know what they're doing and all of this stuff and it's like hey my friend that let's just pretend that that's true for a second i'm gonna guess that you also don't know what you're talking about yeah you know like yeah. we're mad we're angry we're sick of it we are all sick we're of all it. in the same boat like yeah. we really truly are like i was actually kind of surprised this week scott i want to get your opinion on this the um the decision not to extend the christmas break see mm-hmm. i started doing the math in my head going okay well if people are going to very likely bend the rules at the least around the holiday season the two-week extension of the Christmas holidays almost seemed like a bit of a forced quarantine. You know, I don't know if that two weeks in January would spread the visits or if it would, in fact, Mm -hmm. calm down uh, and give a bit of of an isolation period after the holidays. I I, I was kind of surprised they didn't do it, to be honest. I was very surprised. I honestly thought that was a no-brainer. Yeah. If it's a two-week incubation period for the virus and we know that people are going to ignore the rules over Christmas, it just makes sense to not send kids back for at least two weeks after Christmas. I thought for sure they were going to do it. I really can't figure out the reason for not, except they seem to really be doubling down on schools are safe, schools are safe. And this is just going to an extreme to try and prove that point. I don't think it's a good idea to send kids back to school a week maybe less than a week after they've had all those gatherings for not just Christmas, also New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. Beginning I, of January and, and all I was, of a I was, later. Uh, you know, I was with you in the beginning on that one, too. I thought that makes a lot of sense to me. And part of me still thinks it, it's a good option. It's probably hard to make that decision. Like, if that decision was bestowed upon you, right? Uh, what do you pick? I don't know what the right answer is. But a lot of people, their worries, there were a couple of worries, one being you're giving people more time to get together with other people and spread it even further. If you're, you're pretty much giving them the allowance now, saying, guess what? All of January, you're free to go. 
You run wild. You go see those relatives. Oh, you didn't have time to see those relatives over the break? Well, now you do. Go see them too. So that was one worry. The other one is they really want to set that precedent. You're right, Scott, um, when they talk about, you know, schools are safe. They don't want schools to be looked at as a hotspot. And from what they say and what they've shown us so far, they aren't hotspots. New York City, for example, they shut down all their schools. Their schools are done in the core of New York City. And a lot of people are pissed about it because the schools were not the spreaders. They were not the super spreaders. It was all the extracurriculars, all the restaurants, all the uh, everything else that was happening. Those seem to be the hotspots and the spreaders. So why are you targeting schools when schools are not the issue? It's this, this and that that you're not targeting. So maybe there's something to that, too. They didn't want that. I, I'm not well, sure. Listen, I'm also thinking about the teachers and I go through that daily report every single day about the new infections in schools. And it's crazy how many staff members are catching it. And I don't know if staff are catching it from kids that are mainly asymptomatic walking around the halls of the school or if they're out catching it during their own gatherings and social events and things like that. But either way, uh, we don't need the thousands of teachers that we have running around sick in January. It's just going to cause the whole system to collapse on itself. As is right now, they're having a hard enough time finding teachers to cover classes because so many other teachers are self-isolating or waiting for test results to come back. So uh, I thought it was a little misguided to say now that there won't be an extended break. I don't understand what the rush was to get that announcement out halfway through November. I mean, we haven't even hit December yet, and they're already telling us what's going to happen in January. It's kind of a fluid situation. I don't know why they rushed that one, but here we are. Yeah, didn't it seem as if the uh, the news we got last week about if the percentages start to rise, then we could be seeing sixteen or sorry, sixty two hundred cases a day in Ontario. That's significantly higher than it is now. So I would think that a decision like that would probably be better made if we run into that situation. But I, then I also look at it like you can't wait. You can't yeah. wait to make the calls because you got to let people prepare. Yeah, and I get giving people time to prepare. But if you think back to what happened in the summertime, in June, the unions were demanding to know what the plan for September was. And yeah. the education minister said, OK, well, I mean, the, the situation is improving right now. And it was in June. It was getting better and better and better. But they still demanded to know what's going on in September. So he rushed out an announcement. And then had to change it in August because the situation had yeah. changed so much. So I don't know if it really makes sense halfway through November to say what's going to happen in mid-January. But uh, I, I don't necessarily know that what we've been told is exactly how it's going to go down. I really think it's going to depend on the situation we're in come, say, mid-December yeah. would probably be a more appropriate time to make that announcement. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So do we end up getting a, another press conference in a couple of weeks where they completely change their minds? And yeah, say, and yeah, I think let's go gonna... back this way. Yeah, I think you're. I actually agree with you. I think you're right. I think they will go to that situation. I think all the projections tell us that it's going to get worse. And that's not fear mongering. That's those are the projections from the medical professionals that mm-hmm. have been studying infectious diseases for a very long time. Those are the projections. And projections aren't aren't me- complete the perfect measurements, but it's a projection. So we have to protect ourselves from what the situation may end up being if it gets to that. And that's where the decisions need to be made relatively early, but also with some clear guidance so we can all understand it instead of us having a press conference in two weeks and then going, oh, government lied again. And that's what will happen. I don't understand why the government hasn't figured out the trap. They keep getting goaded into making these rushed, premature announcements, and then they have to backtrack and change their advice, and they look like the assholes, not the people who pressured them to come out with the information in the first place. No, because It's really kind of silly. And those people will, com- will continuously move the goalposts. 
mm-hmm. about what they expect the government to say and when they want them to say it. They'll move it just to be the continual opposition to anybody in position of power or decision making. That's just the way it's become. Finally, there is something new. It is a treat for our four-legged friends. There's been Christmas songs for decades for us people, but never really for the dogs. So Tales.com has created a new initiative where they wanted to create a holiday classic for the animals. One that you can put on and keep little Fido or, or whatever you call your dog happy over the holidays. It's really fucking creepy, though, guys. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) If if you want to play this for your dog, fine. But the dog's probably going to freak out and piss on you. So listen. No. (laughs) Hang on. That never happened once when we played it earlier that we know of. So listen. If you got it. If you got your dog nearby, you're listening on your smart speaker, wherever you might be, your dog's nearby. Make sure that they come real close. Say, come here. Come here, you. Hey, you. This is where you use the... Yes, this is Scott. the appropriate time to use it, <laughs> Scott. It oh, that's the context. Yes. Okay, all you right, say, got it. Get over here, have a listen to this, and, and, and let us know what happens from there. Oh, good girl. Squirrel. Oh, good boy. Would you like to go on? Walkies. Sit. Sit. Dinner time. Who's this? Who's this? Sit. Sit. Oh, good girl. Who's this? Who's this? Would you like to go on? Walkies. Where's the squirrel? Squirrel. Wow. That's, now, you uh, have a couple of dogs uh, there, Dave. I do. Do you say, would you like to go for a walkie? Uh, not quite. I can't hit that that note. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, between my two dogs, I think one of them would not care about this at all, wouldn't, would, would ignore it completely. The other one would go ballistic. This is the yeah. same dog that will growl at dogs in commercials. Huh. And oh. I was on a yep. Skype call for work and somebody from working from home that I was talking to had a dog who chewed a, a squeeze toy or a, a sque- like one of the squeaky toys. So chewed the toy. My dog went ballistic thinking it was in our house and oh. immediately like, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? So that song would set him off. And my dogs do know the words walk and treat and outside. Yeah. And it's. That would I can't do it. It's a little creepy for me. Like, oh, good girl. I was waiting for a. Do you want your belly rub? Yeah, like, let's get really <laughs> weird about it. <laughs> Give daddy a paw. <laughs> See what I mean? Isn't that weird? Yes, yeah. and that would fit perfectly in that song. Ooh, I found your scritch. <laughs> you know? But it's not for us, is it? It's for the dogs. But uh, that's not soothing for a dog. There's a lot of people who leave the radio on. And we've uh, had times in uh, over the years where there would be, say, like a, a commercial running on the radio station that had a dog in it. People would be like, can you take the dog out of your commercials? It's driving, driving my dog nuts. nuts. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, when the radio's on. So I don't know. I guess every dog would be slightly different in how they react to this, but... What do you like? Do you just put it on a loop for the dog? Is it like the baby shark for dogs? What is this? Yeah, what is the purpose of it, Scott, really? Just to play for your dogs for a little enjoyment? Or is this like a product behind it or something? The squeaky toy is not fair. Take that right out of the song immediately. That's not right. That's not right. It's a tease, right? It's actually a little bit of a tease. 
I believe it's meant to get their attention, and I think that you two are being wildly selfish by assuming the holidays are just for people. They're for the dogs, too, and now the dogs have a song of their own. You guys have got thousands of them. There's one for fucking dogs. (laughs) This is for the dog, and the dog... Well, I don't know if the dog likes it or not. I'm actually. telling you, my, my <laughs> dog, my dog would not give a shit about this unless no. food comes out of it somehow. Like, doesn't give a shit unless it's food. No, nope. We're all screwed if the dog learns how to say, hey, Alexa, play Raise the Wolf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? On loop. Oh. Stat. <laughs> yeah, if, the, if Alexa starts understanding the dog's barks, then we're in a lot of we're trouble. We're all screwed. Yeah, we're in a lot of trouble. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this edition of After 9. Lots more new episodes coming out next week. In the meantime, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating if you liked it. If you didn't like it, piss off. Don't. Uh... Rating review or nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's either a five or nothing. Like, just just move along. Nah, we're kidding. You guys have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here on Monday. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.